The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one minute. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Stop coming onto our podcast and sowing discontent. <laughs> That's what he's here for. Motherfucker untaps and plays back to basics and wastelands all seven of my fucking lands. But everything in Delver does what a magic card does, if that makes sense. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We are proud members of the Plain Soccer's Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic. Before we get started, I do want to recommend anyone check out our mothership show, the Plains Talkers podcast. They record on Mondays on Twitch and also have their commander show on Wednesdays on Twitch. So check them out at twitch.com forward slash Plains Talkers for anything standard or commander. Um, Matt, what's going on? Uh, We actually have a special guest today. Uh, This is uh, Derek from the Family Gathering podcast. Derek, why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, guys. Uh, I'm Derek. I'm one of the hosts on Family Gathering Podcast, um, which is my daughter, um, mine and Matt's friend Joe, and then his son Jonathan. Um, We are a much more casual podcast, but I've known Matt since second grade, and we've been playing Magic, so I thought I'd join him today. Yeah, um, uh, it's great to have you. We're looking forward to the conversation. I'm definitely a lot newer to the friendship, but I I very much consider Derek a good friend of mine because... Uh, I got to meet him for the first time in person a year or two ago, playing kind of like some vintage draft, or some vintage cube. We did my cube, yep. Yep. Yep, yep. which was tons of fun. And then we got to know each other a little better on our trip. He went with us to Ohio for our Legacy 2K. And, you know, once you spend six and a half, seven hours in a car with somebody, you become good friends. Yeah. Yeah. Or you've killed each other one way or the <laughs> other. <laughs> uh, this is actually our second time recording an episode together. Unfortunately, the first time our audio got completely destroyed because of a simple mistake on my personal end. So we had to scrap that episode. So we're really happy to get to have Derek back, bring him onto the show. He's a really knowledgeable magic player. He's a good friend and he's got really good perspectives. So we're happy to have you, Derek. I'm glad to be here. So Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, Again, managed to snag my day off this week with no issues. So that's always a win. Started playing Final Fantasy 11 again, drug uh, Derek along with me. So I don't know if I'd say you drug me along enthusiastically drug you (laughs) (laughs) i feel like typically speaking whenever i get going on final fantasy 11 i'm usually dragging someone along with me so it's uh derek drew the short straw this time you said something in a group chat between me and joe and you and it just kept rolling around in my brain and after a lot of work on saturday i got it running on my computer yeah i'm uh looking forward to when we can play again is this the one i tried to play yeah and Got a little into it and then just kind of fell out of it right away. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That, that's not exactly what I heard. That's basically what happened. <laughs> it, I, I had gotten into it. It wasn't. It isn't the style of game I normally play, but I was willing to play it with Matt and I had some free time. I bought the game. I got the description. I played, I probably played five to 10 hours, uh, but I just unfortunately caught Matt at a point in time when he was very dedicated to helping someone else much farther along in the game. And then after that happened, he was ready for a break. Yeah. And we kind of just walked away from the game for a little bit, and I've never walked back into it. And now I'm by no means have enough time to hop into another game. But it's a fine game, but just not my style. But yeah, that's what I've been doing. What about you, Dan? I logged back in on Tuesday, mm-hmm. briefly. Or not Tuesday, yesterday, Monday, briefly. What'd you end up doing? Just wandering uh, around? Just wandering around a little bit and making sure that my keyboard was working because I 
took it apart and cleaned it. Gotcha. So what about you, Jake? How have you been doing this past uh past week? I had one of the worst interactions I've ever had with a customer service representative for EA games. So I'm calling them out. I'm shocked EA had bad customer support. Uh, so I bought Battlefield 2042. I was very excited to play it. There's tons of iffy reviews on it in terms of it's a new game. It's buggy. It's got issues. I don't care. Uh, Battlefield 2042 came out with kind of the disclaimer or like the promo that they're kind of reaching back to their old roots with Battlefield 3, including no shark canals and Caspian border as legit maps. You can play that alone sold it on me. Cause it was one of the games I played the most. So I pre-ordered the game. I have very bad internet. So I pre-ordered it specifically so that I could spend the two or three days it took to download it. So that it was ready to be played on Friday. I get off. I get up early on Monday to finish the download before work. Cause it has to do less like two gigs and updates. I get home, I go to log on and you have to link your origin and your steam account. Cause I bought it through steam. Sure. Whatever. I have an origin account. I'm doing that. And my origin account has apparently been hacked Uh-oh. because my Steam account that's, that is that was already linked to it was clearly Asian. It was full of Asian characters. That's not mine, obviously. So I go online, Weird. I go into my account settings, and I unlink it so that I can link my new one. It turns out that was the worst thing I could have done, I guess. So I unlink it. I try to log on. I said, nope, it's already been linked to this. You can't you can't do it. So that's okay. I will, I will talk to customer service, and we'll get it solved. I talk to a person about it. We're working back and forth. He's... And in the process, he lets me know that I have some kind of a flag on my account for Apex. So presumably, someone has hacked into my account, logged in onto my Apex, and cheated, yep. and got caught cheating, and got suspended. Personally, I don't really care. I haven't played Apex in uh, six months to a year. Yeah. Battlefield 2042 came out today. So I'm like, I don't really care about that. If you want to file an incident report on that, that's fine. But I want to work on getting this result. So he gets that, he issues that thing to try and get my account unbanned. And then he says, yeah, we can't unlink, since your account's been linked to a different Steam account, it can never be linked again. And I was like, that seems a little what? ridiculous. Right. Yeah. And I said, well, like, well, so what are our options here? And he said, and what he told me was once they get back with you on your apex thing, then they can work on this. And this was at like Friday at like six o'clock. And I was like, or how about you find someone that can work on this today? Because I'm pretty sure that they're not linked until eternity. I doubt someone hacking into my account has permanently ruined this account for Steam. Right. And he basically starts, co- he does the thing where they start copy and pasting what their little wiki yep. how says. And I'm like, I don't need copy and paste. I need help. Just promote me to the next guy. I'll wait for the next group. Promote me up. And after like three and four back and forths of this, he just ends the chat. He just oh, says, oh, cool. have a good day. Thank you. Goodbye. Because I'm getting to the point where I'm really upset because I paid 60 bucks for this game. I've worked multiple days to get downloaded. And you're telling me I cannot play it without linking Steam. And we can't work on this until I get in three to six days, a notification from the band department on getting my apex thing fixed right. because you started something I didn't really care about. That's pretty ridiculous. So what yeah. ended up happening is I made a new origin, which isn't that big of a deal, but the solution while I'm talking to a customer representative is to give you the runaround and then bail. Yeah. Bail. And yeah. Then I'll, okay. Cause I I'll make a new account cause I want to play this game today, yep. which so for the first time ever, I actually filled out one of those end surveys and I gave him a very poor review. <laughs> now that was how, you know, obviously it couldn't have started worse, but Towards the end of the end of the story, I was able to link up with some friends of mine that I used to play Battlefield 3 with on PlayStation 3, like in high school. I was able to hop into my old PlayStation Network account, remember my password. Was that randomly hacked and or linked to another account? Oddly enough, it hadn't have been hacked. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks. I guess PSN has better security than uh, Origin. They don't. <laughs> well, I got lucky. Yeah. You're just lucky. <laughs> but I was able to, like, the guys I used to play with still had the same screen names and were still active. I was able to send them some messages and... It turns out Battlefield 2042 even has crossplay, 
So we that night got hooked up into the same lobby and we were playing Battlefield again like it was 2010. Nice. It was one of the coolest things ever. Fun fact, we spent That's awesome. we spent half an hour learning this. Battlefield 2042 does not support team chat. There's no way to talk to each other uh, playing Battlefield. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so obviously that's a feature that's coming later. I, it seems like there's a lot of things about Battlefield that's been rushed, wasn't ready. It's already been delayed like two or three times. It's fine. It'll get fixed. You know, If you're looking to pick up Battlefield 2042, wait. Need some things fixed. But it was a huge hit of nostalgia to get to play some old Battlefield 3 maps, to get to play with my buddies again. Even though the night started terribly, it ended great. And that's how my week has been. Had you told me that entire customer service story and left out all the game names and who, what brand it was, I'd been like, that was EA, wasn't it? Yeah, you could have you called it. My guess would have been... Go ahead, Derek. My guess would have been EA or Oculus slash Facebook. Yeah. Oh, wow. I've never had problems with Oculus, luckily. But yeah, that was... Um, I was I'd come home from Friday after a long day of work. I've been waiting to play Battlefield 2042 for months, especially for the week leading up to it, where I've been watching the days. And it was like a two and a half, three hour process to get to finally play my video game. <laughs> hey, it's like getting your account set up for Final Fantasy XI. <laughs> and almost. It was exactly. pretty close. If I had done it by myself, it would have taken that long for sure. Correct. All right. Uh, is there anything else we want to cover before we get started in our magic this week? No, I think I'm ready to go. Derek, you good to go? Yeah, I'm good. All right. So we had, without a doubt, the biggest legacy event of the year this weekend. It's a mainstay, it's a staple, it's every year everyone looks forward to Eternal Weekend, one of the biggest things we can do. Now, last year it was in online only because of COVID. This year, a lot of those regulations haven't eased up enough for large-scale events, at least in many companies' eyes. And so we did Eternal Weekend online again. Yep. And we're really excited to talk about, you know, we've got three days of Legacy where more games were played than probably the last six months combined, at least in terms of high-state games for... A tent for real money. So yeah, I mean, each one of these tournaments is at minimum after looking at the numbers, like five times the size of a challenge. Exactly, and they're playing, and the the price pool they're playing for is essentially a, an object worth between ten and twenty thousand dollars, and of course the ultimate bragging rights. So I will pass it over to Matt. Matt, how's Legacy looking? Normally we have one tournament to discuss. Obviously we have three. We had a uh, we had a tournament on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. They were set up in order to accommodate the three major regions of the. For like time zones so that everybody in Asia, Europe, and the U.S. gets a chance to enter into one of these three tournaments. Well, they, you, they can enter into any one. Yeah, they can enter, but the time, the way the starting times of the tournament is structured so that they're at reasonable times yep. for each of these. So like if you wanted to play all, in all three in the U.S., you're going to be playing at really weird yep. hours of the night for two of them. But you could. But you, you could, could, absolutely. So like we're Eastern Standard Time. I think the Friday one started around 5 p.m.-ish on a Friday. The Saturday one started at like... 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. on Saturday. And then the Sunday event started at 10 a.m. Yeah. Or maybe maybe something noon. like that. So, you know, obviously the Sunday one is kind of geared towards the United States market where it's Sunday in the morning to get started. But if you wanted, you can totally log in with your event token on Saturday at 2 in the morning. And apply. Yeah, and I imagine a lot of the uh the real grinders probably did so. Most most of your big most of your big names will play in all three. Yeah. So uh, as far as the Saturday one goes, just a heads up when we get into this. When we're talking about these numbers, uh, we only get the top 16 as opposed to the top 32 that we normally get in a challenge. So bear that, keep that in mind when we're discussing some of these numbers. That being said, the Sunday one or the Friday one is kind of what we would have expected as far as results goes, yeah. given the tournament results in the uh, over the past couple months. 
We've got uh, Is It Delver in first and second. Green White Depths coming in third. Eight Cast, which I've rapidly become a huge fan of. It's crazy. That deck kind of sprung up out of nowhere. I want to say like two months ago, a month ago, and is now top eighting Eternal Weekend. Yeah, so I made I made some notes of that eight cast deck. I really love yes, it too. It's it's super cool. The one of my favorite things about it is I just finished building uh, Modern Affinity, and I have a lot of these cards. I probably have 80 or 90% of 8-cast already. So I basically, I think I'd need to pick up Chalice of the Voids. Some 8-cast decks were running uh, Lion's Eye Diamond and the Echo of Aeons, the Time Twister. Uh, Some of them, it looks like uh, this one in particular uh, did drop that combo. So that's something to keep in mind if you're looking at building this deck. Within legacy terms, it's actually a fairly reasonably priced deck. It's sitting about $1,800 or $1,900. We'll look at the land slot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the land slot, you've got Ancient Tomb, which is not reserve list, and there's a Saga, which is not reserve list, and Caracas, which is not reserve list. Is this deck running anything that is reserve the, list, this particular list? The reserve list cards that do get run are the Lion's Eye Diamond. And that's going to be when you're splashing into the Echo of Aeons. Isn't Lotus yeah. Petal on the reserve list? It might. Uh, I don't, no, Tempest. Lotus Petal, was a, it would have had to have been a rare when it was printed, right? I don't think, nothing on nothing on, nothing in Tempest is on the reserve list, is it? Yeah, there oh, is. Oh, yeah, there's definitely stuff in Tempest that is. I thought that Lotus Petal got added. I could be wrong, though. Well, in fairness, so maybe Lotus Petal, but Lotus Petal is still a ten is a $15 card. So, right. But we're talking about reserve list cards. I mean, like Lion's Eye Diamond, they're a great example. That's a $600, $600 card. So, as yeah, this is an incredibly affordable legacy deck. Um, obviously, two grants still a lot of money, but an incredibly affordable legacy deck. If you're kind of like me and you have a like a middling modern and legacy collection... This deck probably have a lot of these cards already. Uh-huh. So like you've got Emery and Psy. Those are both fairly recent printings of cards. So like if you're buying a lot of boxes, you probably have one or two of those. If you're already playing blue in Legacy, you probably already have yep. Force of Wills. So I mean, Force of Wills a quarter of the price yeah. of the deck. Well, if you look at Force of Will and Force of Negation, you're looking at approximately $800. Right. Then you've got about the only other expensive stuff. I used to have Mox Ovals. I ended up selling those before they got banned in Modern. Kind of saw that one coming with the printing of Urza Saga, and then Chalice of the Void. Those are kind of your expensive cards. Yeah, this is, in legacy terms, this is probably my favorite, what yep. I would call a budget deck. It's not a budget deck in that it's not tuned down in order to meet a uh-huh, specific exactly. price range. But is, I mean, looking at this list, I mean, it's it's half of every other list in the top eight. Yeah. At most. Yeah, it's not bad at all. Uh, I'm not surprised to see the Echo of Aeons combo taken out. I've never been a big fan of that, and obviously some decks abuse it very well. But I don't, I, I never, I'm always happy when my opponent is doing an Echo of Aeons um, run because presumably if they get to the point where they can cast it, I don't have any interaction. And if I'm playing blue, you have a hard, you have a good chance of drawing someone in an interaction. Yeah. Like it's a really a double-edged sword unless you're abusing it with a Hall Breacher. Yeah. And decks like this wouldn't be trying to. They're just no. trying to use it for gas. You get your thing going, you're going, you're going, and you fuel up the Echo of Aeons. But I've had a couple games where like against a storm opponent, you know, I'm just stone cold dead on turn one, but they echo me into two force of wills and Thanks, bud. I can shut them down. So I'm not surprised at all to see that get cut. While it is a very powerful little one, two punch, it's definitely a double edged sword. Yep. And we know for sure, given that we had a God account tokens that it was not cut for price reasons, exactly. or anything like that. That is this guy built exactly the list he wanted and it got him fourth in one of the biggest tournaments of the year. Credit where credit is due. Lewis MJ bringing in this eight cast list. Yes. Uh, Derek, did, did, did uh, you have quick any other notes yeah. on this? Quick follow-up. Lotus Petal is not on the reserve list. Gotcha. I double-checked. Okay. Well, it needs to be reprinted. 
Um, yeah, it does. Up next, we've got another Is It Delver in uh, fifth place. Uh, sixth place, we've got the deck uh, I thought Jake should take, uh, Bant Control. Is this the Loam list? No, it's just straight up gotcha. Bant Control. So I'll tell you, I played with my God account. I played um, five or six matches of uh, Bant Loam. That's one of the funnest decks to play in in Legacy Bar None, in my opinion, because it's like it looks like a control deck, but it is you just you're tapping out every single turn because there's so much to do. It's the the yeah, you got a lot of the action. number of games where I've got on turn two six land or on turn two like four lands out and a Sylvan Library, or I've already loamed once and I've wastelanded my opponent twice and bonkers. Small correction, it does have one life from the loam. Yeah, but the, you, were, you were talking about the four yep, loams, four exploration. Exactly. I would, like the like, hard, I would, like almost a pseudo I mean, lands. aggro. List. It's straight up like yeah. an aggro band. And it's, you know, so. you're trying to get into your Urzas and recur them and get into your Uros. Yeah. But yeah, I love this list. If I was going to play a control list, I would, I mean, I would play this list. I, I might tweak a card or two, but <laughs> like, there's not a card in here as far as like, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Teferi Time Reveler, but I know why he's in there. Yeah. But like, I love every card in this deck. I love the way they work together. I mean, it's even got main deck endurance, which I'm personally a huge fan of in this meta. So endurance is so difficult to play right now because, like, you know, endurance is usually there to hit things like Murktide and DRC, and obviously you can demolish a DRC with it, but it's so hard to catch a Murktide because you never know when to when to crack it. You know, yep. you only get one chance because it just nukes the graveyard once and. The number of times I've been playing and I've seen other people play and they're holding on to that endurance just trying to get one more turn because your opponent only has, you know, two or three spells in their graveyard and then they just, they burn through three cantrips and then dump a Murktide. Just like, man, I didn't have the, you know, you waited one, basically one priority release too long yep. and now they have an 8-8. Eight, eight. What do you think about this list, Eric? So this is very similar to what I played the last round we went to the Legacy Tournament and... Even though he beat me, I was like, oh my gosh, I love this deck. Yeah. So th this has a big thumbs up from me. Yeah, I, again, I don't play much control. I usually like to be the, uh, the I like to be the beat down in the uh -huh. matchup. But if I was going to play, <laughs> if I was going to play a control deck, it'd be this. Yep. In the, I like, in the, given the current meta. These control decks have gotten a lot more aggressive because it's so important to lock the game out. It doesn't matter how much you've controlled your opponent. A lot of times they're one draw away from resolving an eight or storming off, or just completely running away with it. And so control decks have really had to pivot into a, this game has got to end. And that's where these Bant lists are really moving towards, whereas the aggro list I was playing that isn't even running forces in the main, and this is obviously a much more like calm down control list where it does have forces, it does have a lot more removal spells, but it is it is really ready to finish the game, hopefully. Things like Field of the Dead to just go obnoxious on zombies. Obviously you want to get your Uro out quickly bury them and the game's got to end quickly whereas it gone are the days of you know obviously there's no top but you know top miracle where we're just not going to play yeah, magic for seven don't turns get to dirtle. like you need to no. disrupt your opponent and finish the game as quickly yeah, as possible exactly um one interaction to go back to what you said jake about endurance and you kind of have to time it just right you can use jace to return it to your hand and then do it again very good yeah. point <laughs> that's a good point not that not that that's like super time effective. Uh -huh. I mean, you can't like do it at instant speed, but you could if you had a, a good idea that it was coming. Yeah, yeah. proactively attack their graveyard. Yeah, you could. Then... Yeah, you could. Well, yep. You could. You repeatedly be attacking yeah. them. If you've gotten their graveyard yeah. locked down, exactly. they've rebuilt. Yeah, you can cast your Jace, get your uh, endurance back, and redo yep. it. Yep, and endurance sure. does a very good job of protecting Jace 
given the threats that are rolling yes, around does. there. Um, next up in seventh, another is it Delver list. It's going to be pretty common in the top sixteen. Uh, and then eighth, we've got elves. Uh, elves bringing Hold home on, a top uh, top eight. Uh, there's more on that later. <laughs> yeah. So before we go too much further, we I we should give credit where credit is due. First place on uh, Friday, mental misstep. Mental misstep. Uh, yep. Tons of credit out to I don't I don't recognize this MTGO name, but tons of credit to them. It's an incredible accomplishment they they've they've done. I've seen it around. Yeah, I, I don't know who... is, they're established for yeah. sure. I don't know them personally or very well, but it's a very established uh, MTGO player. You know, it. We should take a look at their, even though it's an Is It Delver deck, we should look at their list. This is obviously the best list on Friday, the best pilot on Friday. I love seeing the the main board gut shot. Like, as soon as Ragavan was spoiled, I bought my gut shots because I was really ready for that to be a mainstay and it never really caught on except for decks like this, which are probably starting to tune themselves to beat the mirror. And that turn one gut shot around days is just you know, what you need sometimes. Other than gut shot, which is yeah. kind of iffy, only one unholy heat. This is obviously opting much more into the four lightning bolts, presumably, so you can go face. I've always kind of been surprised to see decks cutting all their bolts for unholy heats. Like it is a better removal spell, but it usually doesn't kill Merktide. It can sometimes, but usually doesn't. And most of the threats you aren't worried about killing, like lightning bolt can kill most of the other ones that are in the air. And all of your stuff's in the air anyway. Yeah. I mean, you're basically going to have to save your force yeah. wells for Merc Tides. Like, if you're looking exactly. about the mirror. But I'm just saying, like, you see decks cutting lightning bolts for unholy heats because they're more flexible. But your lightning bolts kill most of the things that matter because all your stuff flies, except for Ragavan. And I don't think the extra damage is worth it in, in terms of lightning bolt can just go to face. And there's plenty of games that end with bolt, bolt dead. Three Delver of Secrets, obviously representing that Delver is still a thing. Yeah, I mean, it's still one of the best tempo cards ever made. Like, it just now I mean, is the third. Not single-handedly. It used to be it used to be the best. I mean, now it's the third best. Yeah, it used to be the best. Now it's been yeah, knocked down. That's a, that's, a, that's a substantial number of Delvers. Usually you see two. This is this is three. Yeah, two's typical. Um, you just want a little bit heavier. Yep. I mean, most of the lists usually run like 12 or 14 creatures. A lot of a lot of the lists just cut the exactly. Delvers altogether. So, and so. I don't want to spend in a half hour on this list. This is a relatively stocked Delver list, but I think uh, I think Mental Misstep has earned you know, five minutes in the spotlight with his deck. Uh, Derek, was there anything you saw in here that spoke out to you as being? Uh, not particularly. I, I think it's a very stock list. I was shocked to actually see the Delvers because not all the lists are running it. Yep. Um, Matt, are you ready to roll yeah. over to the next one? Uh, well, I want to go through the in. I want to go through yeah. the metagame summaries. Um, so this is not going to come as a surprise to anybody who's listening to us on a regular basis. Uh. Is it Delver? Seven of the top sixteen in this tournament were is it Delver? Four of the top eight. Forty-three percent. Yeah, forty-three percent. That's bonkers. I mean, especially if you go down, there was also a Jeskai Ragavan list. Yep. So again, not really, identical. You could list. Say eight. Yeah. So realistically, you could put eight in there. Um, so half of the top sixteen yeah. were Ragavan. Looking lists. at this, just a, just a two seconds on this Ragavan list. This is just Jeskai Delver. This is not a this is not a saga still. This is not a Ragavan um or a saga deck. This is just blue red delver with lightning yeah, bolt or with Yeah, and this one's not even running Urza prismatic with, with prismatic ending and yeah. maybe some like meddling mages and whatnot. So uh most played cards, force of will, seventy five percent of the top sixteen, uh brainstorm, ponder, murktide, ragavan, and then top creatures, murktide, ragavan, DRC, Delver Secrets, and then Elvish Reclaimer. Like we're just We've been yep. over. I mean, that sounds almost identical to yep. almost every. This was Sunday this was last Sunday's challenge and the challenge before. Yeah, 
So. Before we move on, I do. I'm gonna. I'll hit this on all these. I'm gonna reference Sam Dams on uh, Twitter. Fenris Cloud posted these these numbers. So on Friday in 2020, we had 581 players. Friday of 2021, 353. So approximately 100, 230 less players. Yep. And this is what I was talking about in our. Uh, I don't remember if it was last episode or the one before that, where that announcement is good for the people who were going to go to the tournament one way or the yep. other. A lot of fence setters go, oh, well, if this is going to be the same meta that we've been playing for the past m- several months, I'm not interested in going. And that, in my opinion, is a pretty good reflection. And th- those numbers that. will, th- th- that that drop is relatively consistent throughout the days. Yeah. Friday, what about the Saturday morning one? It was around between like 1 and 3 in the morning. It's a good day for so Matt. So this one, uh, the previous one, you could have, uh, you were looking to win a print yep. of uh, Wasteland. This one you're looking to yep. win a print it, of a Bayou. It's all right, and, and the uh, Sylvan Library would have been Sunday. It's we never talked about like how the price structure on these works. In case you don't know, well, you don't win money when you go to Eternal Weekend. You win a a custom one of a kind print of a popular card. So Friday was Wasteland. Oh, is a new art Wasteland. Uh, Saturday, uh, the first Saturday event was a Bayou, and Sunday was that one was the original Sylvan Library, wasn't it? Uh, I did not look at that art very close, so I'm not gotcha. sure on well, that one. It doesn't I really just matter. Know the wasteland was new. It doesn't matter as much, but the idea is that you get these really beautiful custom pieces of uh, pieces of or, uh, prints, and we we say that they're worth between ten and twenty thousand dollars. They usually sell for between ten and twenty grand. Obviously, some are worth more than others, but just to, in case people are wondering, why we're talking about paintings and prints. At least with the first two, my theory and I. Jake and I have talked about this, and I think this makes sense, at least on the surface. Seems like the Delver players went to go for the Wasteland to some degree. The Elves players showed up to go after that Bayou. So this one, we've got Elves winning. Let's see if there's any spice in the Elves, since we're going to talk about the winner here. Yorig Heinrich is the winner. Sorry if I mispronounced your name. Tons of, obviously, again, tons of respect. First place on uh, Eternal Weekends. Yep, Huge. Absolutely. Um, we've got, uh, this is Reclaimer Elf, so it drops, uh, typically speaking, it drops Nettle Sentinel in order to bring in Elvish Reclaimer, gives you much better access to Gaia's Cradle, gives you a very solid beater, it's just an all-around really good card, does weaken your, uh, explosiveness a little bit, in my opinion, you don't get the, the random, just like, perfect hand, I win with Nettle Sentinel Heritage Druid, glimpse, 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 that kind of thing, it makes those, it makes those less frequent. That's common. It, it seems to me like it always makes elves more toolboxy. Whereas yeah. they typically speaking run a couple yep. utility lists. The Nettle well. Sentinel lists are a lot more aggressive and geared towards comboing right away. The Elvish Reclaimer lists are a lot more willing to win maybe a turn or two later, but just be that more flexible to answer whatever comes yep. up. The Reclaimer really it is a very good card. It obviously it sees more play and more than just elves. Uh a lot of green white uh depths lists run it, stuff like that. It's got that a little bit of inevitability is what it really gives elves in my opinion where you play one especially if it's already a three four so it's kind of bolt proof you play it and then you just have to if you can untap with it and get that cradle out you're a good elves player is going to win the game right now it takes some setup because not only do you sacrifice a land but then the cradle comes into play tapped so you have to be careful when you do it you can't just you know get it and then pass the turn and just going to eat a wasteland but if you're playing it correctly, you should be winning with just tapping Elvish Reclaimer once. Not all the yeah. time, but like it's, it's very tutoring out one of the do. most powerful lands in the history of Magic. Yeah. Oftentimes, win games. And then again, it does give you access. Uh, 
this guy and most reclaimers list i've been seeing uh run bajuka bog in the main primarily i would imagine is just the way to tag all the graveyard not necessarily like yes it's going to have utility against dredge or reanimator and stuff like that but it's going to be probably too slow for those decks in my opinion that is there for dealing with stuff like murktide and whatnot where i'm going to proactively deal with your graveyard i'm not going to commit too many resources to it like a ley line or something like that i'm just going to bring in a land i got black in the main board anyways with grist it's not the end of the world for me to just tag your graveyard yeah so, and then uh this one in particular has a wasteland Grave- on the side graveyards have just become so crucial to any deck that's trying to win like Excel. like there's but there you could probably count the number of decks and death and taxes and, and death and taxes yeah death and taxes like, you could probably count either. on one hand the number of decks that are w- w- between tier one and two in legacy that do not abuse their graveyard active not yeah i mean you sure. could probably go as far to say that that don't even like yeah. use it like elves almost every card in elves could just be exiled when you cast it and it pretty it wouldn't much wouldn't much. matter i was thinking like i'm saying like even decks that you think of that run like maybe snapcaster mage not even that because like snapcaster mage can yeah. utilize this graveyard but these loam decks these drc decks murktide decks these uro decks that are uh, you know I, i'm ignoring things like storm things like uh reanimator that are just aggressively a their their graveyard so just yeah. again having the ability to go get a bajuka bog on command and be backbreaking that's you're basically sideboarding you're doing pre-sideboarding and yeah. that is going to steal games next up we've got four color zenith this is a yori oh, on list. yes <laughs> this has got all kinds yep, of stuff this there. is the meat pie this is the deck that i joked with julian about how i didn't think was very good and won <laughs> second place on eternal weekend i just i can't imagine playing this deck man i because I, I i have thought about this in my day-to-day life my day-to-day job these types of decks so um Yorion with just this huge green sun zenith tutor package all these great green creatures the idea being that you play what you get you're always drawing good cards and like i want to have a plan this one does run more cantrips than some of the others we've seen and yeah it has a lot of cantrips the the ones a lot of the ones that pop up because there's i mean when you've got an 80 card deck and if it's just going to be good stuff there's going to be a lot of room for good stuff i like the addition of the cantrips i yeah, mean what's the addition, we're picking up two preordained but so here I will I will argue against that a little bit where you're talking about how we're running a lot of cantrips. We're running two more cantrips than is normal for a deck cantrip deck in an eighty. Well, I'm deck. not saying we're running does... them against a cantrip deck. I'm saying a lot of these value decks don't run a lot of cantrips. Typically speaking, this particular list is some yes, of these yes. lists only run like brainstorms. Some of them I've seen like they they bounce back and forth. This guy committed to the we're going to run ten cantrips so we can see some of these cards more often. And I personally think that's that's the way to go gotcha i mean i agree. I would really say he's running 14 because he's got four abundant growth yeah that oh that's that's, that's true yeah. that is i mean that is a cantrip without card selection but it's still a cantrip yeah. I, yeah, but cantrip idea. is just drawing it's not the selection i would disagree with that i we, we, i mean you're talking about cantrip ponder preordain and brainstorm are all looking at up to three separate cards before you yeah but i'm i'm just saying what like cantrip actually is yeah I see what you mean. Yeah, the, yeah. So, by definition, abundant uh, abundant harvest definitely is a cantrip. I would say that I guess what I consider a cantrip. Yeah, it, it, it barely qualifies. Yeah. But I see. I see you're getting that. You're that's very yeah, correct. That's stop coming onto our podcast and sowing discontent. <laughs> that's what he's here for. 
Yeah, I think that's literally what you told me to do. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> take more time to shit all over, Jake, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> Our last guest we, did. <laughs> we need another guest to tell me how bad I am at my decisions. Uh, so, you know, he told me how bad uh, freaking Back to Basics can be. It's not in a great spot right now. I was playing my little aggro bant pile. And on I want to say it was like I went first. And at the end of like turn three, I was I had tapped out. But I had like seven lands in play. I'd loamed twice. And I had like... Uh, something else on the field motherfucker untaps and plays back to basics and wastelands all seven of my fucking lands and it was i hopped in the chat and i was like that's a pretty good three mana seven wasteland you got One-sided there one-sided armageddon concede <laughs> oh that's funny i'm sorry shit. continue <laughs> yeah i got oh it was it, we had tons of fun i'd, I'd love it, we were me and that guy were talking a bunch but to circle back to the four color zenith I, yep. again this this meat pie style deck that julian likes to call it it just you know, the idea every card you draw is a good card. It, and it is. All these cards are great. Not what I want to play. I like playing a deck with a plan. You know, like, and I, you know, my decks are obviously blue soup decks, but I'm I'm looking for, I get to pick what I want. I, I get to be very greedy. And like, I need a force of will. I need a source of plowshares. I need a threat. And I can start cantering through to find it. You know, you're playing elves. You have a very clear plan. You're planning on winning on turn two. You know, Derek with, with D&T, you know, you go into most of your games with a pretty solid plan in terms of slowing the game down having your tutors to be able to go get whatever you need like would you agree that you kind of play your games with a really solid plan yes so i i'm gonna i'm gonna jump in here though a little bit i'm looking at this list like more and more and i get what you mean by it doesn't feel like it has a plan but i really think these cards all just like go together how so like you have this yorion and you have a ton of stuff that that has blink effects which is obviously makes sense and then you have this Green Sun Zenith approach. You have all these cantrips to get to the good stuff or find your silver bullets. You have Sylvan Library to help filter. You got this Field of the Dead, which in the Bant control decks is just stellar. It is. So you basically took the Bant control deck, threw a Yorion on top of it, and splashed a tiny bit of black, which we all loved the Bant control deck. I would disagree. And while this isn't control... I feel like this is kind of building off of that. I, I, I mean, it's running similar removal, I guess, but it's got the prismatic endings. Got it's got the swords. It's got the force. The force. Yep. I mean, if you were to look at it, you added twenty cards, but a lot of those cards would have went in the band control deck if they were running Yorion. This deck is so full of one ups. You never know what you're going to get. Green Sun Zenith is such. A, you're going to see one or two a game, maybe with an eighty card deck. Yep. Some of these have some of these have ETBs, but not a ton of them. Like Endurance has an ETB that's very situational. Ice Fang is obviously one of your best ETBs, but like Dryad, Birds, Leovold, nothing. Ramamap, nothing. Uh, Night of Autumn is pretty awesome. That's a pretty one. A pretty good one to get a flicker. Night, you got you got Endurance, Uro, which while it isn't Uro's the worst card to flicker it, ever, <laughs> but you can. You really Primeval do. Titan. Yeah, I'm, uh, let let let's agree. Let's, everybody sit down and agree that if you've got your prime time and you're then tapping five for. Um, your Yorion, you probably don't need to flicker prime time. No, you probably don't. I, I just, I really think this deck is very similar to the Bant control deck. Maybe. I mean, I, I don't see it, but it wouldn't be the first time I was wrong today. The biggest thing I'm gonna, is I don't... I'm going to screenshot it and then like overlay it and send it to you. Okay. Like the lists are very similar, but I think one of the, the fundamental differences outside of this, their game plan is there's a whole lot of cards that turn on your opponent's removal in this. And that's yes. one of the things that like that typically speaking control lists don't do now obviously this i, I don't think this is control playing. yeah it's 
it's not the beat down in a matchup, but it's not. It's I mean, it's a mid range yeah. deck. Uh, that's that's yeah. what it is. Um, I uh, I don't know how I was I just feel trying to get decks. Jake to look at it a little different. Yeah, like he likes the Bant control deck, and I know he doesn't like this deck. It's, so I was just trying to give him a different way to look it's, at um, it. It's um, Julian was the same way. Trying and flip my perspective isn't necessarily wrong, but it's just the I have a hard time getting hung up on the like what's the like every what's the plan of any given hand that's you're we, we compared this to like cantrips yeah that's, <laughs> we compared this to a edh deck because you're going to be playing a different game yeah. possibly every single match and that's fine i like playing edh i don't play edh for ten thousand dollars i play a tune deck that is geared towards doing hopefully rel- the same thing every time like legacy decks are boring af compared to edx because they do the same thing over and over and over most efficient way possible to win and now i will cap all this with i'm wrong because uh again credit uh because he got second talisker cleaned up with this deck so i'm clearly wrong now i am i think i not i don't think i want to play this deck i don't think i would enjoy playing this deck but obviously the deck is incredibly incredibly powerful it was the second most powerful deck saturday morning well do you know why he got second place why did he get second place he's got two plague engineers in the sideboard yep <laughs> He foresaw the elf. You know, he sure as heck didn't yeah. find him. He though. was like, oh, this one is the Bayou one. I'm going to put Plague Engineers. And sure enough, the elf players showed up for no. this one. You know, he didn't find him, yep. though, in that last match. He was digging. No, no. He he was. This is where the 80 cards yep. backfired. Yeah. On so him. so one time. So, so yeah. One. He only got he only got yeah. hit one time with oh, yeah. it. Oh, yeah. I mean, to be perfectly honest, that if I was sitting across from this as elves, I'd just be grinning ear to ear. Dirtily decks that just don't want to kill you yeah. quickly are exactly where yep. I want to be. Like, I agree. I mean, yeah, you can like this deck against if I like if I was playing against this, it's going to try to one for one me at the start with prismatic ending and swords to plowshares, maybe counter a glimpse or a natural order or something like that. And it's going to try to grind out some value with ice fang coattles or Uros and stuff like that. But the problem is that gives me plenty of time to rebuild. And in games one and two, I'm going to pick your hand apart with thoughtsies. And then once the once we're clear, I'm just going to crush you. Like once the way is clear, like I. It does not surprise me at all that this guy got second uh-huh. to elves. Like this is yeah. what I'd be looking to play against. If if it was elves with reanimator second, I'd be like, "Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, guy." <laughs> but I that guy did very well. I I personally I could see why these would be fun. You'd have to be a very and obviously this guy is a very good player to play this kind of thing. Uh-huh. It's the same thing with toolbox decks in general. Like when you don't have a when you're basically playing a reactive kind of deck that's just kind of it's trying to pivot and you got to be playing off the top of your deck and it's just going to be one of 80 cards that's a one of like you have to be able to use what you have know exactly what you're looking for i mean you could cast and this is true for a lot of decks you could cast one ponder and shuffle instead of keeping them on top and just completely blow it like there's just because you only have one lee of old exactly (laughs) if you shuffle them back in and you ended up needing yeah, him. He, you're in deep Your odds shit. of seeing him again are almost zero. Yeah. So it's... They're approximately one in 60. Yeah. That's... it's. I mean, it kind of goes... And it, it, it makes sense. But it's one of those things like when you compare it to an EDH deck, that's why EDH decks are built that way is so you have a different game every time. Yep. And I I personally... I'm not a huge fan of that in competitive exactly. formats. I like, want consistency. Yeah. I... To, to a very large degree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyways, moving on. Now that we've done 20 minutes on four color zenith. What came yeah. in third place? <laughs> uh, next, we've got four color control. 
<laughs> which is basically, and I don't want to be too reductive here, it's basically Bant control with expressive iteration. Uh, it's very similar to the list uh, that Top aided in the previous tournament. It's got expressive iteration. It's got pyroblast and red elemental blast and meltdown in the side. Uh, is it is it static caster, uh, which is a beating against elves? I hate that card. <laughs> it's in fairness, it's probably there for Ragavan, but it's, there is well, some it's collateral. there for a lot of things. But uh, like people have been running that for a very long time. It is yep. a, it's a pretty common sideboard card. Um, but it's it's got me a couple times. Yep. Uh, the haste is what gets you. <laughs> it's it's a good to remember the the red does buy meltdown and essentially four red blasts yeah, on the side. That's huge. It's a very and it makes a it raises the ceiling of your prismatic endings. It does. Like there's there's definite advantages to this. So it does price you out of Urza Saga. Good, good thing to keep in mind. This yeah. is a loam deck that can't afford to run Urza Saga because a colorless land is beyond the trouble waste beyond the few wastelands is just too risky. Uh, following up. And fourth, Ooh. we've got another Elves list. Uh, yes, we'll be seeing more of those. Another Reclaimer list. Everything else looks pretty standard. Uh, it looks like Endurance is starting to kick uh, Leyline of the Void out of its sideboard slot. There's also some Endurances running around in the main. And it's a, it's a great so card. Flexible. We've talked about it before. It's so flexible. Having one in the main allows you to Green Sun Zenith it out. Or in very extreme cases, Natural Order it out if you have to. I mean, again... Your back's got to be up against yep. what it is another... I mean, there's effectively seven tutors for it in, in the yeah. deck. So, And on top of that, one of the nice things, although this one doesn't look like it runs it, having a one-of endurance when you're running Once Upon a Time is very good. Like, that just that's one of the things I don't like about Once Upon a Time. And it's I've thought about swapping out Leyline for endurance, but I'm just kind of still hooked on Leyline at the moment, is so many of your sideboard cards are non-creatures. You almost have to take your once upon a times out in games two and three, because the last thing you want to do is be like, "Oh, looked at my top five. There's that thought seize I need down on the bottom." Endurance helps with that a little bit. It gives you creature based sideboard slots. Right. Well, you don't typically brick a lot, but you just don't want to lose your sideboard. Yeah, stuff. you don't want to lose so, the cards you sideboarded in. Yeah, so you bring in like Assassin's Trophy and Thoughtseize, and all those things. Just it does make sideboarding a lot easier though, because you're like, well. I'm going to take out my Once Upon a Time, so I'm going to bring in my Thought Seizes. Uh, from what I understand, also having, if you have three Once Upon a Times, it allows you to lower uh, your land count by one. That makes statistically. sense. That's some, uh, if you want to get into the weeds with elves, uh, I believe Julian and I can't remember who else were talking about that on their uh, previous episode. Uh, up in fifth, we've got Mono Green Cloud Post, Elvish Reclaimer. You're going to see even more of that. Having the Reclaimer in there gives you the option to get a uh, you throw in like a one of Dark Depths, like this list has. We've got a couple Thespian stages in Vesuvas because they want those to copy the uh, Cloud Posts anyways. But having the Reclaimers, you put in a Dark Depths in there so you can, if you just get lucky, you could just combo off and just get a an easy win. So you got Reclaimer, Crop Rotation, and Prime Time. You can get any yeah, land you, you want. you'll be able to get there from here. Yeah. And, and Expedition Map. And Expedition Map. And Expedition Map, and Once Upon a Time. Yep. So... Yeah, this deck can get any land at once. Yep, that's that's one of the things that I love about Legacy that I don't want to say no other formats have, but like, because I mean, I know Modern has a couple lands-based decks, but they're not like committed to that land strategy in the same way. Like Scapeshift is, and Primetime, they kind of are, but just not in that kind of like grindy kind of way. Like, I mean, obviously lands is explicitly that, but you've got lands, you've got these like... uh 
four color control decks or three color control decks that are going hard in on it. You got cloud posts. You've got like I just love the fact that land that lands as a card type matter a ton in Legacy. Like it's not just something like like if you were to compare it to standard where you're going to hit your land drop every turn, it's going to tap for mana, and that's basically it, yep. with few exceptions. Even in modern, yeah. Again, there's a couple decks. Yeah, I would say most, almost every format. Yeah, the like again, modern has a couple decks in it, but it's those decks do that thing, and then almost every other deck, their lands come into play. They tap for mana, and that's all they do. And you almost never even interact with them. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before, but that's how I got into Legacy, where I watched like a couple Delver players play each other, and they were like 15 turns in, and there was one land on the board. Yep. And that's just I was like, I have to play this format. <laughs> um. That, that's kind of what got me into it is I was talking to a different friend who was getting into Legacy and I was like, you know what? I want to play Wasteland and Rashad in Port. Yep. <laughs> we have a whole format for and you, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wastelands are everywhere and Rashad and Port's in one of the best decks. And it's the one yep. I play. Yeah, it's a... I would. It would have been hilarious if you're like, I'm going to play Delver. I just want to get ported. I want to see a port on the <laughs> battlefield. <laughs> but I want to... <laughs> As long as yeah. one of us two, I want to see it out. I don't necessarily have to play it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> following up there, we've got elves in sixth. This is not a reclaimer list. This is very similar to what I would run. I'm like incredibly similar to what I would run. It doesn't splash white for archon or anything like that. Very, very kind of straight down, straight down the list. Even the sideboards. Are you secretly fluffy twenty one? No, I wish. I'd work all weekend. There was zero opportunity for me to play in this. No, that's what I was going to say. Snuff Out's about the only card in here that doesn't see play in one type of list or another. And I can see it. I mean, I don't. I personally don't think I'd run it, but I could see it. Um, just free interaction's great. A lot of times your life total doesn't matter. That one's, again, pretty standard. Uh, next up, we've got my second favorite deck now, 8-cast. Uh, this one is running Lion's Eye Diamond and Echo of Aeons. Um, other than that, the list looks within reason about the same. It is a thousand dollars more. That's what we were talking about, and that's with two ley lines. Yeah. So, what you don't think it's the echo of aeons really increasing yeah, well, it's just, the price? You know, well, I mean, what I meant by that is, imagine if you had to run four. So, yeah, like yeah. every two adds a thousand dollars to the price of the deck. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's just ridiculous. So, that's your barrier to entry. I mean, like, so you look at these decks, and even if you look at this deck that costs eighteen hundred dollars or the previous one, like my mind. You look at something that costs two grand, but you can still work your way towards it slowly. You can still take your like fifty dollar a week budget or a hundred or you know maybe eighty bucks a month budget and buy a place at here, buy a force of will there. But yeah, you get to that like you know I'm saving up, I got eighty bucks a month to spend, and I go to okay in six months. It takes you a while to get to a lion's yeah, eye diamond. In six months, I can buy my first lion's eye diamond. And obviously, so the numbers are obviously the same. It doesn't matter when you're spending. You know, 80 bucks on these couple cars or saving up the 400 bucks for this card. But to me, as someone who is bad with money, it's a lot harder to, to not spend any money on magic for six months. So I can afford to buy that one lion's eye diamond versus, you know, Hey, it's the second Saturday of the month. I get to buy my versus bobbles, my pipping needle and my or my lotus yep. petals. And the funny thing is, well, shit and a little off topic, but kind of on topic, but you go six months saving your money to buy a lion's eye diamond by six months, it might've went up another $150. Yeah. You need to buy those first. And they're the, obviously there's a zero chance that they get reprinted. Whereas in theory, yeah. force of will could be in a secret layer next week. 
that's just that's that's a hard yep. mental barrier to get past. Whereas, you know, I just bought into I bought into a modern deck and I'm expanding it to a reanimator deck. But like I bought that deck in like a hundred dollar chunks where I would buy a third of the deck for a hundred bucks and then a month later I throw a hundred bucks at it and buy another third of the deck and it feels good to be like, Oh, I got ten cards ordered, I got five cards ordered, I got twenty cards ordered. I don't know if I could maintain my enthusiasm for a deck if I was like, Well, in March I can buy a card. Yep. It's hard. Um rounding out the top eight, we've got blue red delver. We would be remiss if we didn't have mention the blue red delver deck in the top eight again pretty standard list this one's got two delver secrets as opposed to three and the uh winner of the previous tournament uh again two yeah. is it's it's normally either zero or two uh two gut shot uh no unholy heat i didn't get first i'm not want to look at his stupid is delver list yeah. i'm not i'm so. opposed to giving is it delver any more screen time than it needs now if you win with is it delver you get some screen time uh so that's the top eight uh, going up, moving on to the metagame summary. Wait. Oh, death and taxes in ninth. Death and taxes in ninth. You almost. No, well, sorry, Derek. You didn't what get What do you want to bet? One of the lands players didn't flub his winning in like I did <laughs> yeah. and kick that filthy death and taxes player out. <laughs> so you mean elf players? Yeah, elf lands. Players. I was reading lands yeah, underneath that. Someone, uh, one of the elf. Someone players. didn't punt their winning yeah, in. Yeah, somebody in. didn't punt like I did. Three times in a game, wasn't it? Yeah, that. That was bad. I was so <laughs> so tired by the end of that tournament. Well, Derek, you're the resident DNT guy, and it's absolutely fair. Let's talk about DNT. What do you see on this list that jumps out at you? So it's a Uorion build. So it's not my what I'm familiar with, but what I've looked at because I am looking at building towards this. This looks pretty common. I like it. Uh, actually, but- Curse of Silence in the sideboard isn't something I've seen, but I've thought is good. Yep, I saw that. That was a really good card. In the even in yeah. the blind, Curse of Silence is a really good card. I, I think. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Yeah, and it's but it's I one like of those, the list. The nice thing is it becomes better the more solidified the metagame yep. is. So, like, if you sit down and somebody turn ones a Volcanic Island currently, yeah. you're probably yeah, you know thinking one of a couple decks. Yep. And I mean, you just you name the most common thing. I mean, just, obviously, in the sideboard, you're bringing it in when you know what you're yeah. playing against. But yeah, again, obviously, you know what you're playing by then. But even if you had it in the main exactly. deck, which it's not a main deck card, but like just discussing yeah. this card, the more solid that metagame becomes and the more something like Blue Red Delver takes over and starts to become a larger and larger thing, they just be like, you yeah, could I'm almost main board it. Correct. Yeah, almost. What about this? Uh, what about this pack? This uh, Stoneforge Mystic package? Yeah, no, it is interesting. No swords. A Jite, a Maul, a Batterskull, and a Cauldron. Most of them haven't been running yeah. swords. I'm they sure. they actually just added a a mall, which I'm fine with. I think the mall is great. I don't know if mall is better than Sophie though. Um, that first strike's pretty nice, and that flying. I think yeah. the biggest thing is I it guess comes the on attaches. It attaches. It's yes. online as soon as it, you yeah. pay two yep. mana with your Stoneforge, you get it out. It's good. It's to borderline go. a combat trick. Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of like Batter Skull and Cauldra. They either attach or make a creature and it it can very much be yep. a combat on top fight. of that it makes your batter skull a yep. cultura this uh <laughs> yeah this list has a lot more has a lot less one ofs i'm used to seeing uh dnt list and i'm guessing that's just yorion but it's i would because it's yorion but yep. i would i would have kind of thought yorion would just expand the number of silver bullets you run not just the number nope. of each individual from skull. a lot of the list i've looked at it just instead of running one or two you're running four yeah, it's the, the straight up four ofs. Like Sanctum Prelate's the only one of in this list other yep. than a Giver of Runes, which is just Mother of Runes, five and six. Yeah. So, yeah, so really, I mean, you're still playing six. 
six yeah six mom effects it's huge yeah. but that, yeah yeah that's a great way to offset something i've commonly talked about when we, when we see these death and taxes you're on lists is your best turn one is either mom or vile and yep. bumping to 80 cards reduces that by so much unless you put giver of runes obviously giver's worse than mom but it's similar it's something and you, you get yeah. you're still you're increasing those chances of going turn one mom turn two thalia or turn two stoneforge and being able to protect it to slam your threat if you need to play quickly obviously if you're playing slow that's not as important yep. but the curve is very important and being able to protect it is very important bumping up to 80 cards you know just reduces the number of times that happens unless you can find some functional reprints and increase your card count anything else in here Three councils judgment no. in the side. That's a lot, isn't it? I guess it's a Yorion list, but I you, I usually play two ooh, in a okay. you know my normal one, so I'm makes sense. Yep, I guess that that's fair. That's fair. I just I thought we were I thought council judgment was going the way of the dodo, and now to see three of them in a side, even an eighty card deck, because like what's council judgment there for? Like I mean, it used to be there for Trune and Nemesis. What's it there for now? Mark died. Yeah, that is very true. That's a very good point. That that uh, will answer a mark but, very well. no, I, I know i brought it when we play tested before our legacy i brought him in against you gotcha i just never yeah, saw the, him. the biggest thing in my 60 card is it hits everything it is i mean it's one of the it is the perfect answer it's just very expensive yep. it's slow and expensive but you know there are times when it doesn't matter a slow answer is better than no answer well and in theory if death and taxes is working right slow is fine because i'm gonna slow you down so if we're gonna go through the metagame summary real quick elves three copies in the top 16, eight cast, three copies in the top 16. Those are two most played decks in the top 16 of this tournament. Uh, most played cards. This one actually is a little different, although Force of Will pretty cool. still manages to, <laughs> to squeak 44%. in there. 44%. Yep. So, you know, quite a few uh, less Force of Wills than Green Sun Zenith, Swords to Plowshares, Elvish Reclaimer, and Endurance. That should come as no surprise, especially those two in particular. As top creatures, Elvish Reclaimer, Endurance, Allosaur Shepherd, Elabish Visionary, and then Emery. And then top spells, Force Will, Green Sun Zenith, Swords, Force of Vigor, and Brainstorm. I, I was going to say, I made some notes yesterday, and it, I thought it was really interesting that Brainstorm was 7th on the most played card. Yeah, I was going to say, it, was it literally makes my heart sing that Green Sun Zenith is more played in this top 16 than either Brainstorm or Ponder. Yep. Like, yeah. that just makes me so happy to see. Only 16 copies. And really, there was... 32 copies if you add brainstorm and ponder together there's 32 and you had 27 copies of green sun that's only five yep. yeah now i would argue i'll bet if we expanded this beyond 16 if we went even to the top 64 i'll it, bet it's, I'll, it's i will bet out, that brainstorm becomes sure. you know number three again yeah. but it, yeah. what what is important is these are the winning decks and the winning decks this tournament not were this not particular one brainstorm decks uh, everybody yep. who wanted they a bayou showed up so, with a green deck so here's what I'm going to say about that. Um, it's very common to see the metagames shift drastically in response to themselves on Eternal Weekend. So you look at Friday, Delver comes and just bends everyone over a barrel. Yep. And so I'm 100% betting that we come up to Saturday, everyone saw that and went counter-program Delver. And, you know, obviously Delver's still a very strong deck, but I think people showed up more. I think a lot of people showed up to copy and were like, I'm going to play Delver. It's the best deck because it won yesterday. And then the other half of people were like, Fuck you, Delver. Right. Sideboard Hopefully, slot, sideboard slot, the, sideboard slot. The funny slot. thing is, they should have been doing that in the first they tournament anyways, if they'd been paying attention. Yep. But the flip they side is, have. when you're playing on these eternal weekends, I mean, as we've discussed, the Sunday challenge is getting between, anywhere between 64 and maybe 80 or 90 yeah, people maybe. tops. Like, 
you triple that or quadruple that or quintuple yep. that. Like there's a lot of people who aren't playing on the regular coming to these tournaments. They may or may not be super tuned in to what the current uh, metagame is like. Yep. Speaking of numbers. So before we move on to Sunday, um, Saturday last week or last year, 447. Saturday this year, 319. So that's about 130 that less. Yep, that's quite a, that that's another big like jump down. The total inverse of the Green Sun Ponder. <laughs> I feel really great about that. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, yep. far fewer people are actually playing Legacy. Hmm. Can't imagine right. why. What about Sunday? Sunday. So this one was going for a Sylvan Library print. Um, this one. And I checked, it is new art. Is it? Cool. Oh, I was uh, wrong this one actually around. looks like a little bit better of a meta. I think if most tournaments look like this, you wouldn't really hear any complaining. Um, so it's kind of evened out a little bit. Uh, is it Delver did win? Uh, Bad Luck Bandit is the winner. I'll uh, go through his deck list. Cool yep. name. We've got Delver of Secrets. Yep, two Delvers, two, copies. two gut shots. This looks like a pretty standard list. Yep, this is yep. very similar to what uh, we've been looking. We've got Doomsday. That's a, its first appearance in the top eight over this weekend. I was very honestly, I was kind of surprised we didn't see more Doomsday. In my opinion, it's one of the best decks. It's one of the I hardest to pilot, but it's one of the best. I guarantee more Doomsdays were played. Oh, but, for sure. Um. It is such a difficult deck to play. And in fairness, a relatively expensive deck online. So I think a lot of people didn't get to do much more than a week's worth of prep. And a week's worth of prep is not enough to play Doomsday, in my opinion. Not at a high level. No, not so at all. That's probably why you're not seeing as much Doomsday as it's a very complicated deck. It's very difficult to play. You know, I'm not going to pretend that Delver is brain dead because it's not. It's hard. But I think Delver is easier to play doomsday and so a lot of people could easily come in pick up a delver deck play three or four leagues and have have the ability to beat yeah, most I, people i with think delver. the biggest thing with me the difference would be like if you're if you sit down with delver you're playing a game of magic you may be playing it at a high level and you may be using powerful cards and your opponent has powerful cards but uh -huh. everything in delver does what a magic card does if that yep. makes sense it kind of sounds like a tautology but that you're playing relatively yeah, fair playing a yeah. fair game of magic you're you're casting creatures, you're turning them sideways, you're doming your opponent with lightning bolts. All that, people yep. have been playing Magic since they've learned. You go into playing Doomsday, and the tiniest mistake, you you it doesn't even open up a window for your opponent to win. You kill yourself. You, you just, just lose. lose. Yeah. You resolve this three-mana spell, and if you mess it up, the game's over. So yep. it's just a radically, differently, a radically different way yeah. to play the game. It's... I mean, it's similar to Storm in that, where, like, you know, Storm is very complicated lines, very difficult to play. When done correctly is one of the most powerful decks in the meta. When done even a little bit wrong, yep. you just lost. You didn't you make a mistake. You go all in you and didn't, you counted to 19 yep. instead of 20, and you're done. Yep. You didn't, yeah, you didn't give your opponent a window. You gave Correct. your opponent a win. So I'm, I'm happy to see Doomsday represent. I don't want Doomsday to be everywhere because I don't like playing against it that much, but I'm happy to see it represent because it is a powerful deck and it deserves. Yeah, and it's. Doomsday is no, one of those where oh, if Neville Doomsday shoot. was easier to play, they'd almost have to take action against it. It's incredibly Probably. powerful. I think Doomsday has a power has a bannable power level that is held back by its difficulty. I would difficulty. 100% agree with that, which makes it even more impressive when people do well with it. Like you oh, have no. to like uh, Neville shoot. Good job, well done, sir. Third place, we've got four color Zenith again. This one, pretty similar. A few more creatures. I think the previous list was running. I want to say 14. I could be wrong there. It was six minutes ago, so how could I be expected to remember that? We're, we we picked up two Endurance. It was running. Yeah. There was a one yep. of Endurance, yeah. and I've got three Endurance. That's the uh, biggest looks like upgrade. We cut the Preordains. 
Uh, otherwise, I mean, yeah. pretty much the same, a very similar Cut list. one force of negation, yeah. but a very similar overall. Yep. Very, very similar. Two plague engineers. <laughs> this is, I, I think I know what this is to me. This is, if you're talking about VDH, this is almost the Nick fit. Like, this is almost like the good Nick fit list. Whereas, right. like, Nick fit just all this kind of crazy stuff. Like, this dude fucking registered primetime in yep, a legacy. So did the other guy. That's what I'm saying. Yep. Yeah. This is the Nick fit of, this is the tier right. one Nick fit. It's just, uh, we're going to take all the bad Nick fit cards, take out. them out. We're going to try, try to accomplish something similar, yep. uh, a very similar feeling game plan. Yeah. Although, uh, yeah, there, there's some differences, obviously. And Key I know you know that. And I'm but, not yeah. a one bit insulting anyone that plays this four color Zenith list, but that's a, that's what it strikes me as is this kind of amalgamation of just good stuff that you may or may not be willing to cast because they're hard to cast or expensive, but you don't care because you're going to get there. That's very Nick fit ish. Yeah. This is just a good Nick fit. Good Nick fit. Yep. Uh, in fourth, we've got death and taxes. So Derek, take yeah. it over. Yeah. There's spice uh, in this one. Yeah. There is. Uh, overall, a very similar list, but this one is running a Cathar Commando, yeah. um, which I'm sitting here thinking, and... That's a damn good One, it has Flash, but two, it can destroy an artifact or an enchantment for yep. one. I mean, we, that just seems solid. I will let you know... searchable... I have seen this a couple times in D&T lists over the past couple weeks yeah. looking yeah. through uh, metagame okay. analysis. This is not a like brand new spice for D&T. It is relatively new, but... This is it, it, it's newish for me because I hadn't seen this. Yeah. And then again, I don't I haven't seen it in a list. I haven't looked at a death and taxes list in about two weeks for legacy. I've been looking modern actually. Uh but it has two timeless dragon and yep. I I fucking love that card. Yeah, we talked about that uh, a couple yep. weeks ago. You talked that with Julian. How yeah. much I love Timeless Dragon and how I'm glad to see yep. it oh, finding a you good. You should have been around when exactly. you could, uh, when you're plane cycling, got a astral slide trigger. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so fun. Oh, you're going to go to um, move into combat, huh? Uh, I'm going to plane cycle my eternal dragon, blink your only creature that can attack, so it's time, uh, I'm going to time walk yep. you, <laughs> get a land, and then recast my And then in the trap. sideboard, you have two mind break traps. Yep. That's I. That's a fairly common card for elves to run. I haven't seen too many death and taxes people running it. Yeah. It's odd. That's basically storm I have not made, seen it? it either. It's odd that, you know, storm's usually a pretty good matchup for you guys, isn't it? You can lock down storm pretty well. Yeah. But, I mean, it helps. Yeah. When you're playing an 80-card deck, yeah. adding two cards in to help It helps. does have a reasonable game against something. Uh, a lot of times, I, if I'm thinking about this correctly, it can get Doomsday sometimes. Yep. Because don't they Definitely. have to, like, cantrip, cantrip, Often. cantrip? Didn't get this and Doomsday, then, but... Um, it can also... Yeah, and then they're left with five cards. Right? What, I, what well. I would say is the, the only way this is going to get Doomsday is because you're going to catch them all. Any respectable Doomsday yeah. player... That isn't playing against DNT is going to throw Cavern of Souls in their pile and make. I mean, like, the Force of Will doesn't often do enough during uh, Resolve Doom because they just get Cavern of Souls. They're it's uncounterable. Yeah, but Mindbreak Crap doesn't counter the spell. It exiles it any exiles number of target them. spells. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. I yeah. totally forgot. So it yeah. works. It works right through um, yep. Cavern of so Souls. So they go cantrip, cantrip, cantrip. Thassa's Oracle, and you're like, "Excuse me, sir. Uh, I'd <laughs> yeah. like to uh, cast Mindbreak yeah. Trap." That's <laughs> gonna. Yeah, it's. Three or more spells. I hope you left your force of will in against death and taxes. It is definitely possible to build a pile around casting three or more spells, but it's going to be really hard. And I think the shock factor is going to, they're just not prepared. That you're just not planning on seeing that. It's like mana tithe, basically. Yeah. It's mana tithe. Well, I mean, that's that's 90% of what this is. I mean, that's why you run something like this. It's not because in and of itself the card deserves a slot. It's almost because the card doesn't deserve a slot, it works a little bit better. Yeah. Like, I don't think that would ever become a mainstay in something like Death yep. and Taxes. 
Unless no, I don't think so. Storm top eights the next three challenges. Yeah, in unless a row. unless it just becomes um, like yeah. where like there's something just totally degenerate going now, on. I didn't look at this for the last one. I'll pull it up. Two field of ruin on top of the four wasteland, the four port. Is that something you've seen it's, in these? That was in the Orion list. In yes. the Orion list, yeah. Is that common? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'll let you know. It didn't happen in the last list, so I don't feel bad. No, about it was not it. in the last list. But the, a lot of the lists I've seen are running. Some number of field of ruins. Yep. Just to get more wasteland effects. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. Anything else in here you see? If anything, spicy. this guy's land is actually kind of, I'm going to say, basic. He's running a lot more planes than most of the other Yorion death and taxes yeah, run. To be perfectly honest, I'm not sure why he doesn't have Urza Saga in the deck. Yeah, exactly. I, like, if this was a paper tournament, I could understand it. But yeah. considering what it was... I'm shocked he doesn't have yeah, Urza like, Saga. I don't know if I would run Yorion without it. Like yeah. that's yeah. to me, Urza Saga is half the reason you run yeah. Yorion. Is there a re yeah, like is there any way that you or is any reason to run eighteen planes over fourteen planes in Fort Urza Saga? Like are you ever gonna be that hard up to get a planes? No. You're I mean, like 14 it of does them. in one respect it does work against your game plan in that you want to be hitting your land drops more often than your opponent so you have the mana to tax them. Urza yeah. Saga does go against that. I personally just think it's worth it. It's one of those I things do. where, like, there's a small yeah. downside, but the the upside of Saga is huge. Yeah. So. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, obviously, again, yep. I, the caveat I always throw on these is I sit here and I talk shit at Akaleth about how he chose to build his deck and then almost won Eternal Weekend. Yeah. So yeah, none of, of this should be construed as we think we you know did better. something wrong or we think no, we know better. It, no, no. Yeah. It is. It's just we. That's an odd the, thing to me. To that's just kind of the odd thing. Yeah. Yeah. I just I I. I I don't want people to sit here and be like, that fucking Jake guy pretending he can tell this guy how to play Death and Taxes. Like, no, he, Akaleth definitely came in, what, fifth place at Eternal Weekend? I didn't. But it just, it does seem odd. Yeah. And as someone who plays Death and Taxes, the land base seems a little odd to me. But he he did well, so he knows what he's doing. I would not be surprised. If he just forgot to put him in, like <laughs> that, that wouldn't be. surprise. If he's just that like could be. building his deck list, all right, planes. Da, 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 da. Oh, cool, yeah, I'm at okay, 80. 80, done. What am I forgetting? <laughs> yeah. Oh well, uh, I'll get it. <laughs> submit. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Very possible. Uh, next up in fifth, we've got Jeskai Ragavan. Uh, this looks a lot closer to the. I mean, this is the Ragavan like saga, basically Sagavan list that we've seen floating around yeah. as well, as opposed to in the previous tournament where there was a Jeskai Ragavan list, where it's basically just the hard tempo list, but with like Swords, Plowshares, and Prismatic ending. This one's got Urza Saga. It's only running Ragavan and Murktide Regent. As far as Modern Horizons creatures, it does have one true name, Nemesis. It's even run into Teferi. So this is very like a very solid mid-rangey kind of deck, as opposed yep. to something that's trying to really try to attack your opponent's life total. In yep. sixth, we've got another four-color Zenith list. Let's see if there's any cool stuff. This guy, well, this guy's main deck in the Plague Engineer, so screw you too, buddy. <laughs> well, again, that's, so that's, he saw, you know. You, yeah, he saw It's last all in week. context. Yeah. He saw, yeah, he saw or, the one before and was week, like, I'm taking before. Plague Engineer. Yeah, the night before. They, they looked at the results from the Saturday challenge. It was like, well, Elves is showing up to play, so I'm going to show up to beat Elves. And, and he actually upped his preordain. So he's running 12, he's yeah, running the full, 12. full Brainstorm Ponder preordain. This dude and, playing Cantrip Cartel. Yeah, this guy is Cantrip Cartel. He's running a Plague Engineer in the side, too. Gersty. Like, that's that's some elves yep. respect. Man, right he was out to get you. Seeds of like, Innocence in the Plague side. Plague Engineer is just, I mean, uh, you know, Plague Engineer, obviously, 
doesn't do uh, as much against every deck. But that card is just absurdly broken and just deserves to be played in a lot of situations. It's If you can stabilize the board, it does shut off a lot of problems. It shuts off Ragavan permanently if you need it to. It, it, yep. I mean, it's a great way to, to stop a dash Ragavan. It's a great way to stop um, Delvers from coming in and flipping. It's a great way to handle... If you can, if you can empty their graveyard, it's a great way to keep their DRCs from sticking and getting value. It, like the card is never stone cold dead. A three mana two two with death touch, while sometimes worse, is yep. almost always yeah, I, good. I plague engineer to me is right up, not in power, but in terms of design mistakes, exactly in the same realm as something like Uro or Ragavan and stuff yeah. like that. Obviously, these all have different it, levels the, of power. The and only thing it doesn't do is generate card right. advantage. I mean, it does, in effect. It, like, it, it does. doesn't directly like, produce yeah. cards. It doesn't but, draw cards. And yeah. it's, you know, Uro and Ragavan draw cards. Yeah. Like, it's it, one, it's in the wrong color, and two, it doesn't draw cards. But in terms of getting more than you pay for, it's very similar to where this just does too much for what it pays for, right. what it costs, except it, like I said, it can, it can generate card advantage, quote unquote, but it doesn't, it will never net you cards in terms of putting cards in your hand or it's giving you access. It's not even symmetrical. Like, not that that would matter most of the time, but it's just the principle of the thing. Like, oh, it should be symmetrical. Engineered plague is all elves or all goblins. Yeah. This is elves your opponents control. It's just, it's just I've, obnoxious design. I've, I've gotten to play a plague engineer to kill my opponent, Ice Fang Quaddles, but not mine. Right. It's so like, stupid. It, it it definitely matters. It's just one of those things. Nine times out of ten, it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. But it should be that way anyways. Yeah. So unsymmetrical stacks effects, I just not a huge fan of. Yep. Just in general, they're just not nearly as interesting. They Cards are. need to have drawbacks in order to make design. Yep. Uh, well, it's and deck so building. The idea that non-symmetrical stacks cards should cost a lot more. Right. If you want to have, I'm not opposed to non-symmetrical stacks cards. Yeah. Well, it's, well, here's what I'm getting at. So you look at something like Teferi. Teferi doesn't have a downside because it costs a little, it costs too little, and it isn't symmetrical. If Teferi costs six, no one would complain about it. That's fine. Yep. The problem isn't that Plague Engineer only hits your opponent's creatures. The problem is that it does it at three mana. Yeah. So if you want to have mm-hmm. non, if you want to have non-symmetrical effects like this, that's fine. Wizards, they just need to cost more than two or three. And I think I, I was talking with on, I think I was talking on like the Legacy Pit, whatever. And I like, I made this thing that. I am of the opinion that I don't think anything that is not symmetrical should ever cost less than like four. Generally speaking, if it's I gonna just, if it's right. gonna be non-symmetrical in any capacity, in terms of a negative effect, it's gotta be more yep. than four mana or more. Oh, anyway, right. seventh place. Yep, seventh. We've got eight cast again. So if I'm thinking about this correctly, that puts an eight cast in the top eight of all three tournaments. Yes. This one does not have Lion's Eye Diamond or uh, Echo of Aeon, so. You might want to get those cards now because I have a feeling this is going to kick off in popularity reasonably yeah, soon. With, with this, I mean, if it hasn't already, with this deck putting up again a top eight performance in every and being single event. Free. If if you want some of these cards or if you want this deck, it would not be a bad idea to spec yeah. on them and about buy them the only now. one that I can't. There's several that I don't really see going up because they see almost maximum play anyway like force of will is not going to get more expensive because eight nope. cast is seeing play it's already in 75 percent of decks chalice chalice, chalice is one that's probably got a little bit of room but it does see a, well it is a fair with, a lot of people well, have chalices yeah but it's also a, it's chalice is an all-time low amount of play and so anyone that would have moved their chalices have already moved them chalice was up in price has dropped because it's not seeing a lot of play. It's, so it's almost it seeing more play. It's going to go up. Yeah, as I yeah, Chalice of the Void is a, a, a serious contender. I think for a, a price hike, if we find a, a deck 
uh, these top eight decks that are mainboarding Chal- four copies of Chalice to boot. And especially if we yep. see, God forbid, Prismatic Ending get banned. Like, we'll talk about this after this whole recap, but like, a ban's probably incoming. Ragavan's probably on the list. Merktide's probably on the list. I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't be shocked if Prismatic Ending gets a hit. That is a format warping card. Yeah, that I, just, meta. I don't think it, that's not where I would I don't start. think so. I would, de- I'm definitely oh, on the, not. Nope. the card has probably made Legacy worse. Before we get too distracted, let's, let's wrap up this top eight and then we'll um, talk about that. In eighth place, we've got Is It Delver. <laughs> yeah. So, first and eighth. This is going to book into the place tournament. For funsies, uh, spells. The top Good eight. job, guys. Good job, Bib nice. C, whatever your name is. That's a budget deck right there. You mean the $600 deck that came in ninth place <laughs> at Eternal Weekend? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty awesome. Well done. Well done indeed. I, ju- I do not want to coin flip oh, absolutely not. nine yep. times in a row. And just yep. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm over here. I'm- and I, and that's not to. You know, again, that's not to throw shots at anybody playing it. That's not to diss the deck or anything like that. Not but my style. High variance decks yeah, like this are not. That's my just style. not my style. I like playing blue soup decks. I like playing Ponder, Brainstorm, Preordain. So that's it's cool. It's worth it's worth mentioning. Oops, all spells yeah, came in ninth place. Yep. Good job. Wait, you just said uh, you like playing Ponder, Brainstorm, Preordain? <laughs> I do. I have this yeah. four color Zenith deck here that has four of each. Yeah, but I can also play Ponder and Brainstorm <laughs> in a deck that's a little more consistent. This is probably, in my opinion, the most interesting of the top 16, just as far as archetypes go. Blue Red Delver only put up two in the top 16. Then we've got those Green Sun Zenith lists, uh, Death and Taxes, Eight Cast, and then we've got a bunch of one-ofs. Doomsday, Ragavan, Oops All Spells, Reanimator, Bank Control, Lands. And, you know, spread out also in terms of tempo, combo, mid-range, uh, stacks, mid-range, yeah. mid-range. It's, uh, it's spread combo. everywhere. Yeah, I'm, like, and Eight this... Cast is... The, this is one of the things I like about 8Cast. It's probably yeah. one of the only actual, what I would call, yeah. dedicated aggro decks. Uh-huh. Like, 8Cast is an aggro deck. I think it does some shit, but what it wants to do is cast creatures. It does it in, you know, kind of a roundabout way. Zenith is probably pretty aggro, too. Like, Zenith w- wins in the red zone. Well, Zenith wins in the red zone, but it's not trying to be fast about it. That's true. Like, That's true. It's a good these 8Cast decks want to slam something down as quickly as possible, flood the board with threats. And then beat face. You can kind of tell the difference here, just in the way they kind of it's it's almost kind of supplanted uh, the red prison decks, where it's just that red prison decks were kind of in that thing. They're they're ostensibly a control deck, but what they want to do is land chalice on one, chalice on one, and then start beating face with a rabble master the next turn. Yep. Like they want a three drop swinging on turn two or turn three at the latest. Yep. And this is well, kind of kind of do the same thing. And uh, th- what you know, what does eight cast buy you on a fundamental level that Dragon Stompy doesn't? And it's card draw. Yep. It's Dragon Stompy does not have a way to refill reliably. Eight cast runs eight ways to refill reliably, and that's not even counting things yeah, like or, uh, that are I just mean, getting you value from side. Yeah, side doesn't draw. That doesn't draw doesn't cards draw as often. Cards. He just makes thirty-seven fucking thopters. Yeah. He just doesn't only draw cards. Yeah, that card's yeah, bonkers. So, yep. Yeah, he's, uh, he's so we've really got. Cool. Most played cards, Force of Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Swords, Force of Negation. Wow. Force of Will and Force of Negation are the top five. That's fairly uncommon. But there's a lot of there's a lot of lists that run both. And your eight casts are usually running four and four, aren't they? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or yeah, because they don't it. run any other interaction. I shouldn't say any other interaction, but they don't they don't have traditional stuff to like back it up. Um yep. most played creatures, Ice Fang Coatl, Uro, Endurance, Ragavan. It's nice to see Ragavan off the top there. And Murktide Regent 
And then top spells, force will, brainstorm, ponder, swords, and force of negation. So now that we've gone through um, all of our legacy stuff, the legacy metagames, the legacy decks, the legacy cards, you know, Wizards basically announced that they are they are this close to a ban, but they're not going to do anything until this event. Do we think anything has changed in terms of what they're going to ban, if they're going to ban? Do you think the format still needs a ban? What do you guys think? Let's wrap this episode up with kind of just a holistic discussion. Legacy post Eternal Weekend 20. I personally think that with the results of the one tournament, the Elves won, so I believe that was Saturday, and then Sunday having such a uh, diverse field that Wizards is going to look at it and go, now we don't need to do anything. Gotcha. Oh, I, I apologize. I'm going to jump back a little bit. I did not give numbers for Sunday. So uh, Sunday last year, 672 people capped the event. This year, 554 people, obviously not capping the event. So that's a, about 100, 120 people. And it's also worth mentioning that Wizards this year actually upped the cap for these events to like 1,280 people in preparation of maybe capping again. And, you know, we don't know what last year would have been on Sunday. It could have been 800 people. But this year is only five. And again, I'm referencing Sam Dams on uh, at Fenris Cloud on Twitter. This is a 28% reduction in overall attendance. Just total numbers from this year to last year. And running the numbers on the price of a ticket, you're looking at approximately a loss of 14-ish thousand dollars to Wizards over the course of this weekend. So while... How many people do we think were at Vegas, though? 120-ish people? What do you mean? Well, we ran two essentially big tournaments. Oh, How many people, saying. if if Vegas had been a different weekend for Modern and Sealed and the Magic Fest that Channel Fireball, would we have I think been close to those, those two same things numbers? are related, but probably not for the reason you're thinking of. I think if Legacy was in a better spot, those people would absolutely be playing in a turtle weekend. Like, I don't know very many Legacy, like actual Legacy players who would rather play Modern when Legacy is good, especially yeah, when they can it, sit at home on their computer and yeah. versus. If legacy is mediocre, which is basically what these attendance numbers are saying, then hell yeah, I'd rather go play in a major modern event. If, if legacy, legacy was, was great, great, you think you think you think it would pull people away from paper modern oh, absolutely. to play good I, legacy? Well, what I'm saying is probably a lot of people like us who play both, but play prefer legacy. But we yes. prefer legacy when it's good. But we'd rather. Yeah. But modern right now is very good. Modern is, yeah. in my opinion, probably the best, most entertaining, fun format to play. If Legacy yeah. wasn't in as poor condition as it's in, and this is something we, pre- I mean, just as evidence to back this up, we predicted this result. Like it's just like, yeah, it was just one of those things where yeah. I think Legacy was firing all firing on all c- cylinders. Wouldn't have any problems. Wizards almost kind of underestimated how unpopular it was by upping the. Yeah, the cap. So it's just like cap. I once again, Wizards is kind of out of touch. To uh, to back up what you're talking about a little bit, I have probably played three to one on my God account, Modern to Legacy. Just so much more fun. So here's my only argument because I, for the most part, I agree. If this was 2019, I 100% agree. But uh, most of 2020, there was no paper magic. Most of 2021, there was no paper magic. Yeah, and I think just the appeal of being able to go and be with other people really got people and that's one of the things we always want to keep in mind is there's looking at any particular thing and we're talking about comparing two things one variable there's multiple variables so there's for sure people 
who were who would be like, well, I'd rather play in a paper tournament on Friday Night yeah. Magic than play it online. Like because what I mean is when you have what a hundred and twenty fewer people, yeah, like dedicated online legacy yeah. players decided not I, to I come. don't disagree that there are definitely like, just dedicated online players who decided not to play. I just I really think we would have been closer in numbers if Vegas hadn't been the same weekend. It's it's a it's a very high possibility yeah, you don't I, have I mean didn't you say you pulled some of the numbers up for Vegas and it was like fourteen hundred people showed yep. up to play? Yes. If uh if five percent of those people were people that had thought about playing in Legacy this weekend, that'd be what, two hundred and fifty people. So it's definitely a possibility that those fought each other. And that's, you know, we named our episode la- last week. I named the episode, you know, that we're hosting the two biggest events of the year on the same weekend. This is kind of dumb. Yeah. But, and I think that they 100% fought each other to some oh extent. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, I, I actually, I 100% agree that they fought each other. My, my hypothesis is the reason Legacy lost the fight yeah. is because Legacy is in a bad spot. It's not that they didn't fight each other. It's that if Legacy was... As good as modern I see right Derek's now, like, I Derek's think you have more in the, people in, there. In lieu but, of a fight, these numbers might have been closer. But also, you know, I, I don't, I don't know think that so. they would. I think That's, they would have. No, I, I mean, think that we should ask both your audience and my audience for feedback. Obviously, there's probably people that went to yeah. Vegas that would have played in this. Because if you're playing in a 1,400-person there's got to be at least You're some. probably at a high level yeah. of... Yeah, there's going to be some. But we saw across the board... One of the things you have to remember... I don't think the Japanese crowd was all that interested in going to Vegas. I don't think the Europe crowd was all that interested in going. And we saw the same reduction across yeah. the planet with interest in this. It wasn't just like the U.S. Yep. audience and or the U.S. Fairness, players uh, were wasn't, playing. Wasn't Vegas on Saturday? So the vast majority of players could have played on Friday or Sunday if they wanted to. Well, so I'm yeah. I very much follow the like Twitter magic verse, and I don't know how oh. much you guys do. A lot yeah. of the people who went to Vegas were there on like Thursday. Not that they couldn't have set up in their hotel yeah, you room. Had to well, I mean, all, it all takes the laptop. Yeah. Yes, but I saw a lot the, of people just. The big out thing with me though is things. makes sense. Though. At that level of play, you kind of want to commit to one though. Yes. Like if you play all day on, if you stay up all night Friday playing at a thing or something like that, gotcha. then like if you're going to play in a fourteen hundred person modern gotcha. tournament, you're yeah. going to be testing for modern all weekend. That so again. That's another variable, and I don't want to discount that at all because there's a million different variables when you're talking about 2,000 yeah. people where they decided to play Magic. The other thing to keep in mind, at least in my case, is while if this wasn't happening, there's costs to playing in yes. paper as well. So, like, it feels it a does. lot better, but it also costs a lot more. The You got a plane ticket to and from Vegas. You got a hotel room. Well, yeah. You could play. You're talking about a thousand, a thousand right, as opposed to twenty five bucks sitting in your underwear. So, if this was me and I had been able to play in either one uninterrupted for the weekend, I would have just brought my computer to your house and played there. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's all hang out together. And because play I agree, the cost of the whole thing is it's, so much better to do Eternal Weekend this way. It's this is one, that's one of the things I wanted to comment on towards the beginning. I think doing it online should always be an option. I get you. It, it it does it does open up the availability on you know first of all making essentially the cards free and yep. let's not let's not ignore the fact that a twenty five dollar entry fee is a pittance. Going twenty five bucks that's, to get into a tournament is I mean, nothing. It was yeah. what fifty bucks that's to nothing. play in our two K. 
Yeah, to drive three hours <laughs> yeah. and have a two K was a fifty dollar right. entry fee and play twice and, as much. Yep. You know, you look at the uh, this obviously wasn't a hundred K, but the hundred K Julian was gonna play and then it got canceled. I think entry fee to yep. that was like two hundred fifty bucks. Like I don't know, I don't know what it yep. costs to get in the CFB um, Vegas, but most, going to an most event Magic paper, Fest Grand Prix are somewhere between seventy five and a hundred dollars now. Yeah, uh, even just going to play in um, at DenCon a few years ago, it was fifty bucks for the entry fee to the Legacy event. And seventy bucks to yeah, get into yeah. Gen Con, whereas this yep. is for twenty five dollars you can enter an event, and for seventy five dollars you can yeah. enter three. That is yeah. the budget, budget, budget. Again, and on top of that, your deck is free. Also, that'd be like if you go, if you went to Grand Prix Vegas, you walked up and said, "I want to play Blue Red Delver." With three Ragavan and two Urza Saga, and they went, yeah, here you go. Uh, here's your cards. That's the thing with I mean, me. Like that's absurd. It's one of the <laughs> and that's what you get to do why I wasn't a big fan of the announcement in and of itself that they weren't going to ban anything. Mm-hmm. Is I kind of saw this coming, where it's just like that really takes the wind out of people's sails. I know the people who were it already did. committed to going, and the grinders and the the hardcore tournament people were going to go one way or the other, and they yeah. liked the announcement because they knew what they could test that what they should test yep. for. Yep, and that was great. The people on the fence just decided not to go. Yeah, oh, it's, I mean, I so the, the, I agree. I can, you can draw the example of uh, Julian was going to try and play yep. in all three. He was he was going no matter what, and having that announcement made him more confident in testing. But uh, I listened. The one of the podcasts I listened to is, is you know Brian Cook, Phil Gallagher, and Brian Cobalt, and they were both they were all three very unhappy with this announcement, similar to us. And I think I want to say Brian Cobalt and Brian Cook both said that they were maybe. Gonna play in one yeah. event this year, whereas last Meanwhile, year he Brian did all Cook three. Plays in every uh, Brian Cobalt did challenge. all three. Yes, and as they were. Um, in fairness, Brian Cook might have been busy, but I know that Brian Cobalt went from playing in all three, you know, being hopped up on fucking Doritos and Monster, to I yeah. might play in one, and that's exactly what you said. Where this announcement completely dissuaded him from wanting to be a part of this, and he's definitely. I mean, he. I don't know if you follow his life, he he changed professions to be able to create more content. He, he got a job that had less hours so that he could do yep. more content creation. That dude is a essentially a dedicated grinder. Yeah, I, and again, I'm not, I, in a, no out. way, shape, At least or form, do three, I want to like discount what do. you're talking so, about, Derek, because yep. it's 100%. Like, we even talked about yeah. this, how stupid that was, where it's just like, guys, yep. can we... Yeah, just on a on a fundamental, like, any year, right. it's a bad idea. Yeah. Well, you know, to bring this back around to, you know, like, what does this mean for Legacy... Even if these metagames look relatively diverse, because they except do, for, except for yeah. except for Friday, they look well, relatively diverse. Wizards lost yeah. a lot of money, and Wizards has been losing a lot of money on Saturdays, and I, I can't imagine this shows them anything other than people don't want to play this metagame. I I think this is I think this 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 is gonna hammer home a ban of some kind. Because what we needed what we needed to happen to not get a ban was get one event into the seven or eight hundred people range. And have some yep. good-looking metagames. The thing is, we had good-looking metagames, but we had even some, again, an unbalanced metagame would have been enough. I think the biggest thing, the it's the people, and it's what we've been saying is like it's what makes this so difficult is these decks aren't putting up absurd, absurd results. Like outside of the yep. first one, they look relatively fine on the numbers. They don't they do. seem to have in a almost they're on the borderline of a bannable win rate, but not quite. Or maybe but they are. Quite. Again, we don't have up-to-date numbers after. We don't have like rolling data that we can look at. Yeah. But it's just the fact of the matter is people don't want to play in this metagame. And that to me is more important than anything else. I actually can pull up some good yeah, for you from, Grab those uh, real quick. I'll just keep ranting. Eternal weekend. So wow, I feel really bad. I screenshotted these and I did I cannot give credit to the person who posted these on Twitter. I am super sorry. 
I, I just I did not take the screenshot of their name. But I can so the Eternal Weekend 2021. These are non-mirror win rates. I'm just going to look at the. Uh, this is a bar graph from. This can be the total. So across all across all of them, we got things like Blue Red Delver sitting at around 53 percent. Death and Taxes around 47 percent. Just Guy Ragavan 48 percent. Um, a lot of these are sitting at low 50. Green White Depths was sitting at like 59 percent. Four Color Control at 56. Blues uh, the Green Sun Zenith decks at 56 percent. Those are the only ones that we could say maybe have a bannable win rate for the weekend. Those aren't even the decks running things we even really care about. The four color control might run Mark Tide, it might run Ragavan, but the decks that we're really concerned with were Blue Red Delver and Jeskai Ragavan, and they did not post bannable win, bannable win rates at all. So, like that definitely supports your claim that these decks unfortunately aren't putting up bannable win rates, and that's why they're not banned yet. And coming into this tournament, they once again did not post bannable win rates, but what they did for sure post was unfun. Yep. And that's the it, it makes does. it so much more difficult to solve, like. When you go, yeah, well, uh, Underworld Breach has split the metagame yep. in half. You know, when, that needs when to When Hogak go. is eighty has an eighty percent win rate, like yeah, guys, yeah. in modern, let's ban Hogak. What do you think, Derek? I get what you're saying. I do. I don't think that you're going to get quite the ban that you want, but I do think that they should ban something. I think they I don't should even just know what I want. Like, yeah. I know, I know, I don't like Merktide Regent because it closes out games too quickly. I think uh, Merktide Regent is more bannable than. Ragavan, even though Ragavan is an individually more powerful card, Merktide Regent ends games too quickly. But I'm yeah. not sure what they're going to take. Again, if they take anything, they might not. I don't know. We don't know. I, Some, something has I, to I, I think we can agree that I, something should change. Yeah. I, in my opinion, I would ban all three. Yeah. I, DRC, Ragavan, Merktide, none of them, I mean, it, you can point fingers at any given one, but like, none no. of them are well-designed cards. They're all no. just, they're all, they're like, all just Powerful cards that are cranked up to 11 and a half. They're all just like, how much right. text and I mean, stuff can we so put on a card? Derek yep, and I exactly. have both been playing for a long time. And this is the com- this is the comparison I made when Ragavan was first spoiled. I was like, look at Jackal Pup, yeah. which uh-huh. used to be an all-star in Red Deck Wins. And then Jackal look Pup at a one Ragavan. Two one that if it got hurt, it Correct. hurt you so too. So if, if your opponent yep. bolts your, your Jackal Pup, yeah. it bolts you too. And uh-huh. that was a an all star. Like Jackal Pup was it a very good made card. A deck, right? Two power on turn one. It didn't matter that it had a huge yep, yep. downside. Make Jackal Pup right. playable again. And again, I don't think we need to go back <laughs> to the days that Jackal Pup, in particular, is playable. But I think Jackal Pup is a way more interesting uh-huh. card than Ragavan. Like, why can't Ragavan have some some like you you take one damage hey, on your upside? Right. What's the downside? Yep. It's one red mana. You literally can't. You can't even, like, at least with Murktide, if they swords it, like, yeah. you're down a mana. Yeah. It costs two. <laughs> like, you always trade evenly with Ragavan. Or, I I think it would be interesting. Ragavan would be cool if he did, if you couldn't cast him for one. If, you if he just, was always All two. he had was dash. If he was just dash. If he was either pay him hard cast for two stick or just dash. That'd be cool. Yeah. Like, he just, you know, he has on text... At the be- at the end of- beginning of your end step, return him to your hand. Because I mean, he's a monkey. So what? A monkey's not a charge, right? Yep. So a monkey flits down your shoulder, steals something from the other pirate, yep. and comes back. That would be that would be cool design. It again, I don't think it'd be good enough for legacy, but it'd be a hell of a lot more interesting than I what agree. we got. All right, guys, we are we're getting we're getting too long Way for long. me to edit this freaking thing. So <laughs> I will. I yeah, will, you're gonna have fun. I will give. I'll give. I'll give run to everybody like um, before we start problem. wrapping up. Is there anything else we didn't cover today that you guys really want to 
we want to bring up before we get into our closing uh, three words secret layers suck <laughs> stay tuned we'll talk about that at minimum we'll talk about that next week yeah derek um i i don't got anything right now derek do you want to go ahead and give out give out your plugs one more time where uh, where our listeners oh, yeah. can reach you where they can listen to your podcast all that stuff uh so you can find us on basically every podcast player uh family gathering you can find us at familygathering.fm or you can email us at magic at familygathering.fm. Gotcha. And, and we, we put an episode out on average every other week. Um, we had a bit of a break because of some birthdays and stuff. But You guys have a really cool podcast, you know, again, centered around um, you and Joe and your two kids. And, like, your, your whole motto, keeping magic, or keeping magic in the family helping introduce your children to this really fun game, getting them into things like popper and commander and drafting. And, yep. uh, but to see Valentine and Jonathan kind of grow as magic players, even from episode one to now where they're starting to like yeah. evaluate cards and they're making drafting decisions, building decks and talking about stuff. It's really cool. Valentine got uh, cards in the mail yesterday. She was very happy. Yeah. Nice. I will agree. Best feeling That's what ever. I, I was kind of going to say something similar to that it's listening to that podcast makes it gives you that feeling like when you look at yeah. when you first saw your first, yeah. like you first opened your oh, first yeah. pack. You get that kind of feeling like you're a, a kid again playing Magic. And it's like we're not sitting here analyzing <laughs> meta games yep. and talking what cards to ban. We're going, dude, Lightning Bolt is a really yeah. good card. Yep. I mean, Valentine <laughs> yes, thinks is. Shock is amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Talking about six mana, yeah. seven, seven, and how fun it is to punch yeah. someone with yeah. a 10, 10. It's yeah. awesome. The, it's, it's, yeah. it is the feel good Magic should be. And like I would say, if you don't get those kinds of feelings playing Magic at all, you're doing something. You know, I like playing Magic yep. competitively, but at the end of the day, I also just like playing fun cards, and they really embody that over at your podcast. So yeah. good job on a that. A lot of fun. I listen to every episode. Well, I appreciate that, guys. We are Cantrip Cartel. Like I said, we're proud members of the Plane Soccer's Podcasting Network. Our mothership show, the Plane Soccer's Podcast, is available uh, pretty much everywhere podcasts are found, just like us. If you want to check in on them live, check out their uh, Twitch plane or I think it's Twitch slash Planes Talkers. I'm not sure the exact URL. It's not my URL to know. Check them out on Twitch. Mondays yeah. Mondays they record their episode live, <laughs> and then Wednesdays they do Commander Craft. So if you're looking for anything standard or Commander related, they're a wonderful podcast to check out. As far as us, if you want to reach out to us, you can hit us up at CantripCartel on gmail.com. You can check out our Facebook page at Cantrip Cartel, and you can even hit us up on Twitter at Cantrip Cartel. We also have a you Discord page on the Plain Soccer's Discord, where you know we're obviously very active in their Discord in general, and we have our own little sub-page in there where we do a lot of our eternal format chatting. Unless I'm forgetting anything else, Derek, it's been tons of fun having you. We were super glad you come on the podcast tonight. And you know, as an honorary third host, we're always happy to have you come on. So we appreciate it. Thank you for yeah. having me. Thanks for stopping by. And on that note, I think we will see you guys next week. All right. Have a nice night, guys. 